I mean, my version of that that story when he asked me out, the, the way I remember it is I remember this medical student showing up one day and then just sort of like following me around the hospital. Like I'd sort of be places and, and like there he was. And then like I'd go someplace else and he was there too. And I was like, what is, I don't understand what's happening here. Hi everyone, welcome to episode two of The Breakdown with Rothman Orthopedics. I'm your host, Alex Hammond, and we have a very fun, special Valentine's Day themed episode. Today I'll be chatting with physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist here at Rothman, Dr. Maddie Delakia and Dr. Anoop Sinha. They just happen to be married um, and under the same specialty. So we'll chat with them about what it's like being married and working together and play a little newlywed game, uh, the breakdown edition. And lastly, for the medical incredible case, I'll be speaking with Dr. Barrett Woods. He's a spine surgeon here at Rothman Orthopedics. And he had a case that involved a 67 year old man who fell off his deck and was left paralyzed. But thanks to Dr. Woods and his team, he was able to walk again. Looking forward to hearing more about that. Fun fact, Dr. Woods is actually also married to another Rothman physician, Dr. Shaylin Woods, and she's also a physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist. So we'll get his insight on that as well. First up, I'd like to welcome in two of our very own physical medicine and rehabilitation specialists, Dr. Maddie Delakia and Dr. Anoop Sinha. You guys have been together for 16 years, 14 of those married, and you have two young daughters as well. Um, Dr. Lockie, you have been a Rothman physician for 15 years and Dr. Sinha for 12 years. Am I all correct so far? Correct so far. Yes. Correct so far. All right, good. Um, and I just want to thank you guys again for both joining me. Um, we're going to have some fun, so i um, looking forward just to kind of chatting with you guys. But is it safe to say that you, you guys have found the key to not only being happily married, but the key to successfully working alongside your partner too? Yeah, I would say so. I think we found success in yeah. our work and outside of work relationship. We managed to not annoy each other, which I think is in, a, <laughs> in and of itself a feat. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you do that though? So how like speak a little bit about you know obviously when you're home you guys are married, but are you guys when you're at work you know do you guys work together? Do you research together? What's that like? What talk about that? So we're in the same office um, once a week, twice, sometimes twice a week, and we work down the hall from each other. And it's nice. I think, you know, what's funny is when I first started at Rothman years ago um, and new joined the practice, um, one of our uh, senior doctors in our, in our group said, you know, I don't know how that is, you know, working with your spouse, that just seems like a bad idea, you know, make sure you sort of aren't in the same place on the same day. And it actually worked out for us. Like, I look forward to the days when we're in the office together because we discuss cases and it's nice to have somebody to run down the hall and say, hey, have you ever seen this before? And, you know, bounce ideas off of him. And I think it makes us better physicians, you know, because it's like two brains for the price of one, you know? And right spend a lot of time at home talking about what happened at work. We're like the world's most boring couple. We just talk about work all the time. 24-7 <laughs> um, work. Yeah, our, exactly. kids, our kids are kind of annoyed at us. But like, yeah, like our dinner time conversation is, oh, I saw the most interesting thing today. And then, you know, we talk about it and one of us will, you know, look it up if we're not sure what the answer is. And I think it just makes us, yeah, it makes us better at our job. Plus she's smarter okay. than I am, so I can easily bounce off my that, cases. 
that's a smart thing to say. That's that's <laughs> that is listen. True. Yeah, let's let's go with that, right? Plus, so she wait. buys me lunch on our days together, so it's it's a plus plus. Yeah, we we, we trade so, off buying each other lunch, which is good. So, who bought lunch today? Oh, well, I did. Yeah, I did. He, he bought lunch today. <laughs> okay, good. All right, want to back up just a little bit. So, how did you guys actually meet? Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, so I was a third-year medical student, and uh, I started rotating at a hospital in Philadelphia, and she was her in her first intern year, in her second or third month. So, um, yeah, I started working, and I saw that there is this cute intern working there as well, and I'm older by than her by two years, but she's ahead of me okay. in education by two years, so like I said, she's smarter. So, um, yeah, I just asked her out one day, and she begrudgingly accepted and we went out on one date and uh that was it for a while <laughs> I, 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 I was busy she I was, was busy it was, well, I was, very busy. it was an intern year so they're pretty busy but I would yeah. I was there for about three months and I would ask her out a couple of times again and she declined for a few times a few times yeah when was this when was the next date then so how, how long uh, so we reconnected two years later when oh. I graduated med school and then I think I still had her contact and I might have, yeah, I think I asked her to come to uh, just like we had a small gathering for our graduation and she ended up coming and then we reconnected and started hanging out again after I was a full-fledged doctor. <laughs> I had time for him. Yeah, she had yeah. time. Yeah. Did you want to make sure that he kind of, you know, sawed his way through medical school? He was committed. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, my version of that that story when he asked me out, the, the way I remember it is I remember this medical student showing up one day and then just sort of like following me around the hospital. Like I'd sort of be places and, and like there he was. And then like I'd go someplace else and he was there too. And I was like, what is, I don't understand what's happening here. And then one day I was in a patient room, like sort of talking to a patient and I saw him sort of like hovering outside the door. And then he had been waiting for me to be, to be to wrap up my day so he could ask me for coffee. And I was like, oh, but he's a student. You know, I like didn't have time. I was like, I'm important. I'm a intern here. Mm. I've got work to do. And then I got over myself and I realized how great he is. Aw. Well, I just like, I just like the conflicting stories. Like there's one story <laughs> and then you have another one. And I think, I don't even know if there was actually any overlap there, to be truthfully honest. <laughs> it's mm. slightly um, different for the reality. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's great, though. It's all for, it's all for good listening, though. Um, <laughs> so what are some things that you guys enjoy doing together? We'll talk about work. Yeah, there you go. Talk about work. Yes, you did say that, work. A lot of work. Talk about your, your kids. You have two daughters. How old are they? We do. They're uh, nine, nine and a half and five. And um, yeah, they're uh, they're kind of uh, replicas of Maddie. They're like mini hers. So they're they're both mama's girls. We spend a lot, and we spent a lot of time over the last year coming up with ways of entertaining them. So that's how we spend time together. We mm -hmm. spend time together going like, what are we going to play with them next? And how are we going to entertain them? Especially next? since they're both at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of the the virus, so they're both learning from home. So we have to keep them more entertained since they don't have the same social interactions with their their friends. Um, so it's it's definitely uh, keeping us on our toes. Again, I know you said they're nine and five and they're young and there's still plenty of time for them to figure out what they want to do with their lives. But do either one of them mention about becoming doctors like mommy and daddy or is any of those conversations kind of follow even in the same specialty? Does any of that come up? 
I don't I don't know if Princess Ballerina counts as yeah. a doctor, but that's You're yeah. very serious about Princess Ballerina right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have ballerinas and we have princesses, but I don't think we have princess ballerinas. So I would yeah. be yeah, a fan. They're gonna wear of... trailblazers, our kids. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna find a way. You should be proud, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I majored in Princess Ballerina. <laughs> it's like what what college offers that? <laughs> 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 that's awesome um and i just I'm curious just any advice i mean like you said the one you know elderly physician mentioned about working together and it's funny because the prior organization that i come from um it actually married couples is the norm so i came from a nonprofit, so this is normal to me but i'm curious what's your advice for couples that work together at the same organization just what would you tell them i think it's different for each type of field. In medicine, it might be easier because you can always bounce ideas off each other, but if it's a more of a competing type of industry, it might cause some disturbance in the relationship. But uh, yeah, I think you just have to make the best of it as long as you can share ideas. I think yeah. it helps if you're and friends with share lunches. <laughs> yeah, sharing lunches is good. We highly recommend trying to find time to eat lunch together, even if it's only for like five minutes. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And also, I mean, we're, we're, we were friends before we, you know, became uh, romantically involved so I think that that I mean except for that one coffee date time you and said then, about the annoying you know medical student that was bothering. yeah well and then well when we reconnected you know we were friends for you know first and I I think that 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 really helps you know it's you know because we're friends and we're not competitors you know we, we're like a team which yeah. helps a lot mm -hmm. awesome all right, you know, this is the question portion of events, and I'd love to move on to the game. Is there anything else that you guys want to add? Any? No. I can't think of anything. <laughs> All right, so I asked you guys, I sent you guys a series of questions. Um, so, again, it's the newlywed game, the breakdown edition. There's no grand prize or anything, so I apologize in advance. But, um, again, I asked you both the same series of questions. So, really what we're just trying to do is see how well you both know each other. We're oldlyweds now, though. It's been 15 years for us, almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, this should be, this should be, this, this is going to be, be embarrassing. We're probably going to. I know, I was going to say, is there any, <laughs> any last words before we get started? Uh, I'm going to say my last words are that Noop is very hard to shop for in terms of, like, gifts and things like that. So, you know, I feel like he, he changes his mind. So it might not always be okay. the same favorite X, Y, okay. or Z. I'm going to say, okay. in my defense, I might not get these correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's I agree. Fair. Same answer for me, too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get started. I'll just ask the question, and if you both want to answer one at a time, what you think the other person said. I think that's mm -hmm. making sense. But All right. What is your spouse's favorite color? All right. So I think that you said for me, um, I don't know what I think you said for me. You go. Um, I'm guessing she said blue for me. She did. There you go. Carolina blue. Mm, yeah, uh, Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna let it slide, but he's he, that was. <laughs> but go ahead. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna say blue also. Ooh. What? It was red. Really? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Wait, I'm not keeping. I'm not keeping score here. Hold on a sec. All right, now I am. Okay. All right. What is your spouse's favorite restaurant? Um, I'm going to say 
Carly said for uh, Distrito. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> they closed down. Yeah, but they still have one. <laughs> All right, that's not correct. <laughs> um, I'll say one, maybe she said farm and fisherman for me. No, oh, I forgot about that one. Uh, no, pick the other one. Bonsai? No, the other one. But They're closed on Sundays. Chick fil A? <laughs> <laughs> You love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Not a restaurant. I feel like that counts. Right. It counts here. <laughs> so thir third times a charm on that. <laughs> what did you say for me? I picked the Thai place. Oh, I do like that place. Yeah. yeah. Farm and Fisherman is one of my faves. So I Yeah. All right. What did the other say about your spouse's best personality trait? Uh, my, my optimism? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair too. Yeah, that's that's fair, but not correct. My calm under pressure. Yes. Ah, nice. Is that word verbatim? I mean, almost exactly. I said the ability. <laughs> I said something like the ability to stay calm in a exactly. crisis. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I do appreciate that. Um, so what did he say about you? Um. Uh, what? Wait, what's the question? Your best quality? Um, yeah. like. What did he say that your best quality was? Like organized with the kids? No. <laughs> no. I'm so good at that. It's not personality. Though. Oh. Um, I have no idea. He said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I give up. I don't know. Okay. Encouraging, imaginative, and sociable. Oh, that's so nice. But <laughs> 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 it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing so badly. <laughs> I know, but you're like doing so bad, but in the best way possible. <laughs> this is my favorite, my favorite question, just because some of these answers, but what is your spouse's favorite junk food? She probably said potato chips. Okay. Sour cream and onion. Yes. Are you giving <laughs> hints over there? <laughs> no, 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 for really. You got no. that for Yes. Cheating didn't even occur to me. <laughs> Darn it. I think was an option here. Unless <laughs> we could do that. Um, what did he say? Uh, that let me see. Um, um, like crackers? Crackers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like cheese and crackers? It's not Pretzels? Junk food. I don't know. I don't really have. I don't really eat junk food. Um, <laughs> You want one, I guess? Uh, Chex Mix? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I give up. He said, he said scones, muffins, and cookies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I saw that answer, and I was like, scones aren't a junk food, so. Um. See, yeah, I think of that as... No, that is, I guess it kind of is a junk food. Yeah, I just don't think of it as a junk food. When you eat four or five of them it's at a time, it's a junk food. When you're popping them back like potato chips. Exactly. That's the problem. Yes. Okay. Oh, this is, this is a good one. Who is tidier? Who did each other say was tidier? I forget what I said for this one. Because hmm. I don't feel like you're untidy. I, I, I mean, I think that you said you. I think you said me. <laughs> no, I... I, I think I can't remember what I said, but I thought that you you would have picked me as the title. I think I did. Yes. Yeah. Did yeah. we both pick each other? Who did you pick, Dr. Delacchia? Oh, wait, I thought, so I think that Noob said it was me that was the tidier one. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah. All right, so I think she picked uh, me. 
That's incorrect. She picked me. <laughs> oh, I picked me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but not bad. Okay. For the cleaning. Right, right. That's like. true. Yeah. What is your spouse's favorite TV show? What did the other one say your favorite TV show is? For me? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that you said House Hunters or something, something of that nature for me. Because I could watch HGTV like nobody's business. I probably think that she put down the same answer that I put for her, <laughs> which was The Daily Show. Oh, I forgot about The Daily um, Show. Darn it. No. So, Dr. Lockie, you said, and I quote, he could binge watch the Food Network like nobody's business. That's, a good <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> and then you did say, uh, for her, The Daily Show. Hmm. Actually, I forgot about it. I forgot about the daily show. That's okay. That's okay. Um, oh, okay. Here's another good one. Who does the most cooking? Who do the other one say? Me. Him. Him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, great. Easy. That <laughs> was an easy one. There's really no contest. Yeah. Oh, okay. And who is the better cook? Him. Me. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, there, there you go. <laughs> Who's more adventurous? I, I think she picked herself. And I think you picked me. Yes. Yes, we both said the same. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. Oh, okay. What is your spouse's favorite meal? What did they say? I think she said uh, pizza for me. And I think he said, um, is it bad that I don't even know what my favorite is? <laughs> my favorite is so many. Oh, it's scones. <laughs> it's, it's a whole plate of baked Pizza crackers. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, I, I think he said um, like Thai food for me. He did. He said drunken noodles. Nice. He said that, and he said, well, he, he <laughs> said anything he cooks, or eggplant parm, or drunken noodles. Those are all accurate. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. Okay, great. <laughs> One out of three of those isn't bad. We would take any answer in there. All right, last question. Wait, what, did she pick pizza for me? No, I picked fish tacos. No, you fish, fish tacos. tacos. Yes. Ah, those are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. What is their favorite band slash artist? Mm. I think you said for me, John Butler Trio. Oh, I forgot about it. <laughs> so obviously that's no. <laughs> think of that one. Um, for me, she said maybe jazz or some type of smooth jazz. Did I say elevator music? You did. <laughs> <laughs> You did. Yeah. And, I did say that. <laughs> and you said 80s metal, so I like yes. it. Yeah, it was one of the two. Yeah, it was one of the two. The he has a contradiction. Tastes in music. Yeah, <laughs> it spans the range. <laughs> I, I yeah, that's that. really like yeah. zero to six. Both extremes. Yeah. I think I, I wrote down Derek Truck's band for her. Oh, that would have been. But that was like. 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, see, because, right, that's from, like, when we first met. So and then it, it sort of evolved from there. I, I still listen to stuff from 15, 16, 25 years ago. So, you know. Well, yeah. 80s metal is But now I listen to, like, 40 years <laughs> Disney musical tracks. Oh. Like, like, all mm. I listen what's, to. What's their, what's their favorite Disney character? Um, Moana. Yeah, really into a Moana. Okay. We listen to the Moana soundtrack a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you guys, are you guys over the... That soundtrack. <laughs> I, I'm not over it. I think Noop is tired of hearing me sing it. I'd say that's fair. 
That's amazing. Well, I honestly, I hate to kind of break this conversation up, and but is there anything else you want to add or any PSA to potential patients? Or again, I know we, we talked about, you know, working together and all that, but yeah, just any last words from each of you would be great. No, I think uh, if a patients want to pay twice as much to see us both at the same time, it might be entertaining. <laughs> Honestly, I would see both of you at the same time. Right? That'd be great. And we just <laughs> pick her in front of her, in yeah, front of our patients. We're, we're like a comedy act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take care of your back pain and entertain you. And make you laugh. Like, what more can you ask for? Exactly. Well, again, I want to thank you both for joining me today. Uh, Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. I really did have fun. And hopefully we can do this again in the future. That would be great. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. So last up, I'd like to welcome in spine surgeon at Rothman Orthopedics, Dr. Barrett Woods. He has been a surgeon at Rothman for how many years have you been here, um, Dr. Woods? It's been five years now. Okay, great. And talk about a, a few of your areas of interest in spine surgery. Um, so I'm an adult trained spinal surgeon. Uh, I did my fellowship at Thomas Jefferson University, uh, Rothman Institute, and been in practice for five years now. Uh, my predominant specialty is in conditions that affect adult spines, most commonly degenerative conditions such as disc herniations and arthritis which compress nerves and spinal cord and can affect uh, the patient's function. So that's my predominant area of interest. I also take a lot of call and deal with spinal trauma. Uh, so any, anything from broken necks to acute disc herniations, uh, infections, uh, gunshot wounds, things of that nature. Uh, and then there's a component of my practice as well in which I treat patients with deformities, scoliotic curves, and uh, unusual alignments of the spine those all fall within the area, my area of expertise. Awesome. So this leads me uh, into our medical incredible. Um, you actually treated a 67-year-old male patient that fell off of his deck, broke his neck, and was paralyzed. Wow. Um, when something like that comes across your desk or, you know, you see this or you hear about this, what comes to your mind when you hear about something like this? Well, I think, you know, it's important to get all the information. Obviously, these are incredibly traumatic injuries. The families are obviously very emotional. And so it's, it's my job to, um, to try to, you know, maintain a level head, to try to get all the appropriate information so that I can make the best possible decisions. Uh, when you're dealing with someone with a spinal cord injury, timing is really of the essence. And so it's important that I can accumulate as much information as possible so that I can put the patient in the best possible position for recovery. And again, so is it really, I don't want to say it's a one size fits all, but again, when you hear about something like this, what, what is the first thing that you have to do? Or, you know, does someone call you? Is this something that goes through the ER? Um, how do you get wind of a situation like this? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm on call at the hospital. So what the patient went in through the emergency room, particularly for something like this, where it was a trauma, where he had to be life flighted to the hospital. And the, typically the emergency room physician or the trauma surgeon who's on call will call me and tell me what the situation is. And they'll get imaging studies and I'll rush to the hospital to evaluate the patient. So typically the first person that's calling me is, is, is typically either the emergency room physician 
or the general trauma surgeon on call who is in the emergency room when the patient comes in. So now, again, you get that phone call, you arrive at the hospital. What's the first thing that you do? Walk us through the action or your treatment plan for something like this. Well, I mean, the first thing I do is see the patient, you know, kind of see what the situation is. Is he stable? Uh, when I say stable, I mean from a hemodynamic standpoint, is, is, is he maintaining his blood pressure? Does he have a, is he ventilated? Can I speak to him? Uh, if he's if he's not on the ventilator and I can speak to the patient, then I would examine him to try to determine what his baseline level of function is. And then once I kind of have an idea of the severity of the situation, any of the other surrounding injuries or issues which may be uh, affecting him, it's important to try to get some history in regards to medical history. Is this person someone that walks independently at baseline or were they in a wheelchair for years? Are they a diabetic? Do they smoke? Are they on blood thinners, which would affect my ability to do surgery safely on them? And once you compile all that information, uh, typically we'll look at imaging studies. And then once I see the imaging studies and correlate that with their physical exam and history, then at that point I can formulate a surgical plan um, to take the person to surgery, mobilize the surgical team, call the operating room, and then go discuss the issues with the family. And, you know, that's you know, it's a very emotional time, you know, someone comes in and their loved one is paralyzed. And so, you know, it requires a face-to-face conversation. And, you know, one thing about spine surgery is it's incredibly humbling. If you ever meet an arrogant spine surgeon, uh, they're a fool because what is clear is that we have some limitations in the things that we can fix. Uh, And so that's why I say my prayers every day and I try to put people in the best position. But the fact of the matter is there's a confluence of factors that really um, influence how well people do. Uh, In spinal cord injury, the things that we can affect, we try to do that by stabilizing the spinal column, getting patients to surgery quickly. But with spinal cord injury, you know, there's a stroke of luck. And, you know, if you're religious, you know, you, you could say it's God or something, but, you know, we can't completely fix that. So we try to provide the family Um, with as much information as possible, assure them that we will do the best possible job for their loved one. And then we go execute the plan and and try to get the patient in the best possible position. I love that you just mentioned there's like a certain kind of temperament for a spine surgeon, especially being in this situation. So I would say, what's your number one, I guess, the trait, obviously being humble, but would you say having a calm demeanor, is that something in this situation that is the most helpful? Well, I mean, I think it's important to be able to compartmentalize. I mean, you're seeing people who are in very traumatic situations. And so, you know, I have to be able to, in a calm and cool manner, collect all of the information so that I can make the best possible decision. But at the same time, this is not robotic. We are human beings. You know, I have to be able to then also go be able to communicate with the family and sympathize with their concerns, but also, you know, be focused on the task at hand. So, I think compartmentalization is a a very important thing that you have to be able to do. You have to clearly have to be cool and and level-headed in the situation and try to get all the the information as possible um, so that you can make the the best decision for the person. At the same time, it can't be so robotic that you have the inability to communicate and connect with people because you can imagine, you know, a loved one is paralyzed. You can imagine the hysteria and the concern surrounding that. And so, you know, I do the best I can to be as honest as possible I'm always honest, but also to deliver, you know, the, the information in a manner in which they can receive it, uh, considering the circumstance. 
and I think exactly what you're just saying. I think those are those are traits and qualities that not only just spine surgeons. I think all physicians. It doesn't matter what specialty that you practice. I think you know, and just as people, we all need to have and just kind of being able to relate to people, talk to people, and just kind of understand and put yourself in their shoes because you know it never know when it could be you in that situation or, you know, and you'd have to deal with it. So I think that's, again, that's good advice for anyone. One point I want to go back to, because you mentioned the first thing you'd kind of do is like, you'll go in and you'll check to see if the patient is stable. And that's before we even start going into the orthopedic side. Do you consult with any other physicians? Um, You know, is it checking, is there a cardiologist there? Is, you know, the ER doc, like, is there a team outside of an orthopedic spine surgeon that you are dealing with when this case again comes in your lap? Yes, definitely. So if it's a traumatic case, um, say a motor vehicle accident or a fall or anything that involves an acute traumatic incident, then typically the trauma surgeon who's at the hospital on call is kind of the overseer. Uh, and so there is a sequence of events which occurs with every patient that comes into to the hospital in a traumatic situation from someone that has a broken toenail to someone who has a terrible cervical fracture dislocation, the same steps are always met. And that's that their airway is assessed, that they're assessed from a hemodynamic standpoint to make sure their blood pressure is stable. All that is overseen typically by the trauma surgeon. And then the trauma surgeon will consult the appropriate subspecialist um, for, you know, whatever area of expertise there is. So the first thing you do is make sure the patient's going to live and that they're stable. Uh, and then the second thing is once you realize, oh, this person has a spinal cord injury, that's when they would call me in and there would be a discussion as to, you know, whether it was safe to take the patient emergently to surgery or not. Thank you for that. Um, just kind of moving forward. So God forbid, if this was to happen to me, what would be my immediate steps or what should I do? You know, I hope, Nobody has to deal with this, but what would your advice to be, you know, if there is some sort of spinal cord injury, what would you tell the patient? You never know. They could be in a position that they would have to help someone. So what would you suggest that's the first thing that they do? Well, I mean, I think it depends at what stage of the game we're talking about. During the initial injury, you know, injuries can be potentiated if someone has an unstable spinal column and if they're moved inappropriately or, or, or not properly. So if you suspect someone with a spinal cord injury, um, you know, you have to, you, you really don't want to move that person. They need to be log rolled and secured appropriately so you don't potentiate any injury. Um, and then, you know, I think the thing with spinal cord injury and, and the reason it's so humbling and so painful, it's devastating, not just physically, but also emotionally, you know, and the impact that these type of injuries have on people is far more than physical. You know, all patients that have spinal cord injuries have some level of depression afterwards, understandably so in the impact that it has on patients' families is profound, you know, because particularly if we, no matter who it is, but if it's a younger person and they have their life ahead of them and now, you know, their whole life trajectory has changed in a moment. So, I mean, I think the most important thing with these spinal cord injuries is to understand, like, this is not just a physical battle, it's a mental battle. It's going to require time, patience, you know, tough love sometimes. But the fact of the matter is this is far more than a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. And watching people ride that roller coaster where the initial shock and fear of the spinal cord injury, then the unknown as to what degree of function that they will regain. And, you know, I've seen the full gamut of people who were completely paralyzed and did not regain anything to people who came in paralyzed and walked out of the hospital. Uh, And 
you know, seeing, you know, riding that that roller coaster, that emotional roller coaster, and then dealing with whatever residual deficits that you have. I mean, some people really make the most of the situation and really, you know, have powerful stories. And I, I think in order to do that, you really just got to take it one day at a time. and You got to acknowledge kind of the emotional impact of it as well as the physical impact. So I want to bring this full circle because obviously we call this the medical incredible. So this isn't all gloom and doom, but why was this case a success? Talk about that. Or what was your biggest surprise? Um, And I think people would appreciate, you know, hearing what the success was. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, what, what happened six weeks later when you saw this patient? Well, so this, this was a, you know, a a very active and healthy guy. He slipped on his deck. Uh, He had what's called a cervical fracture dislocation. So his bones translated in his neck. And as a result of that translation, his spinal cord was compressed. So when he came to the hospital, he had some tingling in his feet, but no motor function in his in his legs. He couldn't move his legs at all. Uh, he had very little sensation in his legs. He had weakness in his arms uh, as well. And uh, I took him to surgery emergently that night, realigned his spinal column, uh, and then took him again the next day um, after we got a repeat MRI just to further provide stabilization to his spine. And, you know, he had a very loving and supporting family, and obviously they were very concerned. And I told them, you know, that the statistics that, you know, these type of injuries, there's about a 5% chance that, you know, he'll regain enough function to walk. And, you know, miraculously, you know, he did. I mean, in six weeks, he walked into the office. And that's why I say, like, this is a humbling thing, you know, in that, you know, his family was obviously very appreciative to me, but I had to tell them, that this was God. This was, I mean, I realigned his spinal column, but I didn't fix his spinal cord. You know, we got to it in a timely manner, you know, and I did everything I possibly could for him. But for me to sit and take credit for him walking again, it's just not accurate. And that's why these things are very humbling because there's plenty of patients that you do the same thing. You realign their spinal column and they don't walk, you know? So, and that's why, you know, this profession is very fulfilling and gratifying for me, but it's also humbling. You realizing that you do the absolute best you can for people uh, and you hope and pray uh, that they do well. You know, spinal cord injury is one of the few things where it's just not that predictable. You know, people come in for a regular routine spine surgery. I can tell you definitively you are going to do well. Spinal cord injury is, is, a, is a different entity, you know, and so he ended up walking. He regained, you know, about 90% of his function. And, and so it was a miracle because he certainly Uh, could have been in a wheelchair with the severity of his injury. So I just, I'm sorry, I want to repeat that number you said. You said there's a 5% chance that he couldn't walk or that he would. Just clarify that again. I just want you to say that. So so he had an incomplete spinal cord injury and he had a bilateral jump facet fracture dislocation. So historically, that's about a less than 5% chance that you will walk again. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I mean, literally, like I said, you look at the odds right there, 5, 5% to 95, you know, we can all do the math, but, you know, and I appreciate your humbleness in us all, but honestly, how did you feel? You know, like. Well, it's incredibly gratifying. It's yeah. incredibly gratifying to, you know, see him come in. You know, I did that initial operation, maybe one o'clock at night. It was in the middle of the night. You know, I got out of bed to, to do it because when, you know, you have a spinal cord injury, timing is of the essence. As long as that spinal cord is compressed, uh, the more likely it is that that patient will have permanent deficits. And so getting that pressure off the spinal cord is one thing that we can do that can influence their outcome. So this is not something 
that you sleep on. So, you know, we got out of bed, our team got out of bed in the middle of the night, went and did the operation. And so to see him have that type of recovery was obviously miraculous. And, you know, it makes you feel very good about, you know, all the hard work and the time and the effort when you can positively influence, you know, someone else's life. That's what it's all about. That's why we do this. It's truly amazing. Um, Is there anything, again, with this particular case that you want to add or, you know, anything for potential patients that you'd want them to know? Well, I mean, I think with him, you know, he had an incredibly positive outlook. You know, obviously, like I said, you have these injuries. Um, There is, um, you know, an incredible emotional toll. And I've had patients uh, who um, had injuries like him who did not regain as much function who did just as well, you know, mentally and spiritually and physically. They turned it into an incredible positive. They were happy to be alive. And so it's not just, you know, him. It's when you get someone through this type of traumatic event and then they find a way to move forward with their lives and to, you know, find a way to help and influence and impact other people, you know, that's just as gratifying, you know. And I think that it's one of those things that, Lord forbid, you know, we can't control all the things around us. If something like that happens, you you got to take it one day at a time. It certainly should make all of us count our blessings. You know, I tell you one thing about myself is that it's hard for me to complain even Mm -hmm. on my worst day, because I see people in much more dire situations than myself. And it it makes me count my blessings on a daily basis. You were speaking some truths to us today. So uh, thank you for that. But um, before I let you go, um, I did mention earlier, and I know we were kind of doing, you know, the whole episode, we were speaking to, you know, Dr. Sinha and Dr. Delakia earlier, and they're, they're married, but you are also actually married to another Brothman physician, Dr. Shailen Woods. What's that like actually being able to work in the same atmosphere with your wife? And do you guys ever collaborate on patients or research? Kind of talk about that a little bit before I let you go. Well, it's, it's really cool because on a number of fronts, first of all, you know, she works part-time, but she, she got has the full-time job of raising our three sons. And I can tell you that's as challenging of a job as yes. anything that I do. <laughs> and so she balances, you know, actively practicing while still, you know, keeping our, our sons in line, which is, you know, a feat all in and of itself. Because when I'm watching the kids, it's all it's a different situation at the house. They're eating applesauce right. and doing whatever they want to do. Yeah. But um, it's really cool because uh, I think one thing that I really enjoy about working with her is just to see how well-respected she is. You know, I know my wife. I love her. I married her for a reason. And to see how people interact with her and to see you know, how she is received is something that makes me smile. And I think vice versa. And very commonly, you know, we have patients back and forth. She's a physiatrist. She treats non-operative spines. So people who fail her care often uh, I end up taking care of. And so, you know, there'll be plenty of times where she sees someone she's concerned about and she's like, very, you know, this person I saw and what do you think about this and that? And so, you know, it just adds another layer to our, our relationship. And it is really cool for me to see, you know, how, how good she is at her job and the same things that made me fall in love with her patients love her for. So it, it, it is cool to see that. So I guess it's safe to say that spines rule in your household. You guys know spines, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we got that area yeah. covered. We, okay. we have that area covered pretty well. Sounds good. So yeah, I mean, just for any potential listeners, any issues with your spines, you know, we have a, like you said, a physiatrist, and then we have a spine surgeon. So you guys have got it covered down there. (laughs) Yes, we do. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you again for joining me, explaining that incredible story. Patient was absolutely lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you here and your wife. Um, And thanks again.
Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'd like to thank Dr. Delakia, Dr. Sinha, and Dr. Woods for joining me today. If you missed the first episode, we now have a landing page. It's on rothmanortho.com backslash breakdown. That's rothmanortho.com backslash breakdown. That hosts all of our episodes, plus we are now available on Spotify, Apple, and the Rothman Orthopedics YouTube channel, plus a few other listening platforms. So make sure you download and subscribe to whatever platform you utilize. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care.